batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hey everybody and welcome to the Cubs corner. My name is Anthony Pasquale and on this edition we welcome a very special guest. Pat Boyle from NBC Sports Chicago joins us. Thanks for joining us, Pat. Hey Anthony, how you doing? How's everything going in Champagne? Everything in Champaign is good, but unfortunately, not everything in San Diego is good. The Cubs dropped a tough, tough game last night, 9-8 to eight in the 10th, after Steve Ciszek walked three guys in a row. What was your take on that game? It was, it was a brutal, brutal loss, Anthony. I mean, wasted opportunity to, to gain some ground on St. Louis, who lost. Uh, you could have closed that deficit a bit. Um, you know, the Brewers won, but of course they lost Christian Yelich uh, for the rest of the year to the, the broken kneecap. And they are now just one game back for the second wild card. And you, you, you wasted an opportunity where, you know, you saw these guys fight to get back in it, where they were down, you know, 5-2, to two, or they were down 8-5 uh, in the eighth inning. They were down 6-2 at one point. I mean, they come back. You know, KB looked like the Chris Bryant of old. Got that cortisone shot in his knee. Hit the two home runs. Jason Hayward did the same. And you you had this offense that fought back. And then in the 10th inning, you know, Steve Ciszek, now granted, he's the seventh pitcher of the night. So there's that. You don't know how much longer this game is going to go. But to me, he couldn't find home plate. He gives up the infield single walks the next two batters I had seen enough and you know obviously Joe Madden <laughs> had not he kept him in there four straight balls to Margo and the rest is history so really frustrating night but you know Anthony it's, it's kind of this is that's this cup season in a nutshell it, nothing feels good for too long you know they might string together a couple of wins and then the offense goes away or the starting pitching is inconsistent or an injury pops up or the bullpen fails miserably or Joe makes some questionable moves. So it's kind of been the MO for this team all season long. I don't know why things haven't clicked. Ultimately, the players have uh, right now not lived up to expectation. Some of the moves that management has made have not worked out. And right now, it looks like it's the wild card or bust for this team. And like you said, there are some negatives to that game, aside from the fact just losing. It was losing a game when you had the opportunity to gain ground on St. Louis, who currently sits four games up in the division, and the Cubs only are hanging on to a one-game lead over the Brewers in the division and for the second wild card. But if you look at some positives from that game, and I know it's hard to find some, but... It looks like both Chris Bryant and Jason Hayward busted out of their slumps. Yeah, and I mean, I thought the, the Bryant situation, look, the knee has been bothering him for a couple of months now. And, you know, it's, it's the one thing that I, I guess I have to tip my, my hat to is that Chris has always answered the question, uh, are you are you injured? Is this bothering you? And he always says, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Well, he's not. He hasn't been fine for a while. He's trying to fight through a knee injury. It's affected the swing. Uh, I don't think it's coincidence that he gets a quarter zone shot 
uh, before last night's game, and he looked like the Chris Bryant of old. So, um, you know, the, the quarter zone is, is not a long-term solution. It's a short-term, and there's only so many times you can go to that well. Um, but that's a gamer that, you know, Chris is trying to do everything he can to get this team to the postseason. I thought it was great to see Jason Hayward, uh, you know, go the opposite way for one of those home runs and uh, and take one to right center the other the other time. I thought the, the Ben Zobrist error was, I mean, that was the killer. Um, of course, you'd expect Jose Quintana to go deeper than three innings, but he could have got out of that inning uh, with a 2-1 Cubs lead. Bases loaded. Zobrist does almost identical error that he had the night before. Right. Wheels and throws it into left field. Uh, if anybody thought Zobrist was going to be the, you know, the savior for this team and he was going to come back after missing, you know, four months of action and he's going to take this team on his back and carry him to the end, I think you're, you were fooling yourself. I mean, can he give you quality at bats? Can he be a short-term solution at the top of the order that, that's been a problem all season long? Yes, uh, but there's limitations. And at his age and this possibly being his final uh, year in the big leagues, um, you know, I think we saw the limitations and I think we saw what, what being off for four months produces. It's rusty and you know, plays that he made a couple of years ago at second, you know, he wasn't able to make the last two nights. And last night was an absolute costly one uh, as it led to three runs. And I want to go back to the, the Bryant knee injury for a second. You mentioned that he gets the cortisone shot and then comes and by no coincidence looks like himself again. Why wouldn't the Cubs or Chris Bryant choose to turn to the cortisone shot a little bit sooner rather than letting the knee probably get worse over the course of two months or so well i i think that's a stretch to say to get it to have it get worse um you know basically a cortisone is a, is a steroid uh, and it's a short-term solution it takes pain away from the area but it doesn't it doesn't fix the problem and it i, I and again i don't want to speculate too much but i'm assuming he's going to need it cleaned up a bit uh, in the off season, some arthroscopic uh, knee surgery, which is common. You know, there's nothing ACL, MCL related. Um, but you know, we don't know. You know, every team is secretive when it comes to injury. We don't know exactly uh, the length that Chris and the Cubs medical staff have gone through behind the scenes, and. You know, we may just be hearing about he, he may have received a cortisone shot, uh, and, I, and I, I would I would bet that he has earlier in the year. It just uh, beat writers did not ask the question directly, and and therefore he, they didn't offer up the that uh, that response. So yeah, I, I don't. You know, again, this is uh, when you start talking about medical situation. Uh, I think it, you, get, you go down a slippery slope if you try to speculate too much. I would assume that they've done everything they can behind the scenes. I would assume that yesterday was not the first time he's received that that uh, cortisone shot. And I will say this: you cannot do it repeatedly all season long. Uh, that I, that I do know. So 
there needs to be some time. And, um, you know, he gave it a, a go. And it certainly produced um, a lot of offense last night. But again, it's it's. I don't think it's a long-term answer. It's something that he's going to have to fix, you know, coming up this off season. And he mentioned in previous interviews that it will most likely be something that if he just gets to rest it consistently, it should kind of heal itself. And I agree with you, in in your speculation that he probably will need to go through some sort of uh, arthroscopic procedure just to to clean it up a little bit. But I want to ask you a question. With the Cubs schedule that they have remaining, they go the final two games in San Diego against the Padres, then they come home for 10 between the Pirates, Reds, and then four with the Cardinals, then back on the road at Pittsburgh, and then at St. Louis. What do you think the Cubs need to have in their record for the final 18 games to A, uh, make the playoffs, and B, potentially catch the Cardinals? Well, I mean, they're four games back right now. Uh, they've got seven games remaining with them. Uh, to me, they got to go five and two in those games, which is going to be really hard with a guy like Flaherty going at least uh, twice over that seven-game stretch. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think I, I, I'm almost looking at it right now, Anthony. I think the Central is really close to being out of reach. Um, it's realistic that you can make up one game a week. Uh, there's only three weeks left in the season. Uh, you have to play, you know, exceptional baseball for a long period of time, the final 18. And, and let's be honest with ourselves, this team hasn't shown that throughout the year. What makes you think that all of a sudden, you know, uh, it's September 11th, 12th, and like 13th that all of a sudden things are going to, you know, get righted and this team's going to be able to go on this magical run and, oh, by the way, do it without Javi Baez the rest of the way. I mean, I just think that's a little unrealistic. So, uh, simple answer to your question is they've got to make their hay when they play St. Louis head-to-head. And they've got to go something like five and two against them and then they've got to be basically a game above whatever St. Louis posts the rest of the way so you know do the math on that it it just it looks daunting and it it even looks daunting especially when you look at the the lack of success that the uh, Cubs have had on the road and you know the last uh, six games are, you know, at Pittsburgh, at St. Louis, which, as we all know, this team has been, you know, almost like a, a completely different team away from Clark and Addison. Yeah, that's you. That's a great point. Um, they do have a ten-game homestand, but their last few homestands haven't necessarily gone as planned. They struggled a little, little bit against the Nationals, getting swept by them, and then. Not a great homestand against the Brewers and Mariners either, so they really have their work cut out for them. I feel like all year long, Cubs fans and the media and everybody else surrounding this team is was just waiting for this team to go on a run, but instead they've pretty much played 500 baseball since coming back from that two and seven start when they were once 25 and 14. I believe since then they're somewhere around 50 and 50 in their last 100 yeah. games. And that's and Anthony. That's who you are, right? I mean, that's a that's a large enough sample size that gives you enough to experience good teams, bad teams, road teams, 
Uh, I think they had the neutral site game in Williamsport. I mean, you know, that's several months of 500 baseball. At the end of the day, you know, that's that's who they are. Yeah, and, and instead of looking for that run to come, it seems almost that we've grown accustomed to this and, and that if they're going to beat that, they do have to find some type of run in them. But like you mentioned, very hard to do without the player who placed second in the MVP voting in the NL last year in Javi Baez. Right, and that, you know, he's basically done for the rest of the regular season. I don't know if he'd even be available for a one-game a wild card situation. Um, they just got Wilson Contreras back. Uh, you know, he had an over last night. Uh, you know, this team, they called Nico Horner from Double A, and, you know, the kid has a magical Major League debut with the four RBIs. So, they've, you know, they've got, and, and then Nick Castellanos has been, like, he's been by far the best trade deadline acquisition in Major League Baseball. He's, he's been insane. Um, so, you know, they have made some good moves, but you know, the Craig Kimbrels and, and things of that nature, those have been the setbacks, and there's been a lot of those. And, and let's face it, too, what we've seen from John Lester uh, is, is not the John Lester we've come to expect to see on the north side. And you know, the same with Cole Hamels. It's it's been a struggle for those guys. Hendricks has had the great at, at Wrigley Field performances, and not so much on the road. Uh, you know, Darvish with the forearm. I mean, there's always been some. That's kind of what I said earlier. It just it always seems like uh, there can't be a week where things just are kind of status quo, and this team just goes out and plays baseball. It seems like there's always something going on, whether it's an injury, whether it's a major part of the team um, failing to perform at the level you expect, um, whether it's rumors about Joe Madden and, you know, this being, you know, the final 18 games of his five-year run on the north side. A lot of stuff, you know, that that's flying around this team right now, and I'm sure it, it's, you know, the players aren't going to say it. Joe is not going to say it. But I, I, I can tell by watching Madden, it's, it's weighing on him. He's, to me, uh, a guy who's all about, um, you know, attitude and changing culture. He seems like a guy that knows that the end is near. And that's unfortunate because he's, he's done a lot of good and he'll go down as, the manager that that saw the team end the curse, but uh, it, it just goes to show you how quickly things change in, in professional sports. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to my next question. And despite the fact that he has been probably the most successful manager in Cubs history, do you think he's back on the top step next year, or do you think the writing's kind of on the wall in regards to that? Yeah, I, I think basically almost there's no shot that he's back. Um, I think it was a very telling move. I mean, look, they clearly weren't happy with him entering his fifth and final year. Um, he had taken the team to the playoffs every year. He'd taken to the NLCS, taken to winning a World Series, and it still wasn't enough to get 
an extension and he still entered a lame duck year as a manager. And every guy says it doesn't matter. When when a boss doesn't give a, uh, an employee, doesn't back them when they have performed, and again, Joe is not without fault. He, he's got his, you can second guess a lot of things, but if you just take it at the bottom line and, and the, the wins and the losses, it's hard to make a case that he didn't deserve an extension heading into this year. All that Theo and Jed did uh, the previous three years was change hitting coaches, change uh, pitching coaches. It, there was always uh, there was always a scapegoat, and it you know it was it it, it was Chili Davis. It was, you know, there was always something, and. It, to me, it felt like not giving Joe the extension at, at, heading into this season, you were setting Madden up to be the scapegoat if this team uh, doesn't win a World Series. And now look, um, I, look, they still have a shot. I still do think, especially with the injury to Yelich, I still think they have a, a pretty good chance of winning the wild card. Uh, do I think they have a legitimate shot at winning the World Series? No, I don't. And I think anything short of that, I think Joe will be, and I don't think Joe will be out of work long. I could see him landing in San Francisco. Um, but to me, it just feels like the management team, Theo and Jed, are ready to have a new voice in that dugout and they're ready for it to be somebody other than Joe Madden. So real quick, you don't really need to explain this, but if there were to be that new voice, a new manager for the Cubs, who would be your your best candidate? Look, I hear a lot of people think it's it's going to be David Ross. I, I've heard from others that say that he may not be ready to criticize players that he's friends with and that he won a World Series with, and he may not be ready to, to uh, you know, put all the time and effort it is to be a manager when he's got a pretty good gig right now where every night when he leaves the broadcast booth, he hasn't won, he hasn't lost, and he's getting paid pretty well. So I don't think that that is a foregone conclusion that David Ross is going to be the guy. I would say Joe Girardi would probably be my, my front runner. Uh, you know, Chicago uh, ties from here, went to Northwestern, played for the Cubs, obviously has won a World Series with the Yankees, and has been out of the game now a couple of years. His agent's based out of Chicago. I think there's a lot of ties that you could see uh, Girardi um, be the next manager. That said, I also know Joe is you know a little more old school than what a lot of Major League Baseball uh, managers are. In other words, he doesn't want to get the uh, analytics game plan and say, "All right, this is this is what you're doing tonight. Go go make it happen." Uh, I think he wants to make some calls on his own. I think he does want to definitely uh, have the analytics play a role in his decision making but I don't think he wants to be handed a blueprint from Theo and Jet before every game I think there's a lot of younger coaches and managers 
potential managers that would, you know, they would say, all right, that's the way you guys want to roll. You're giving me this opportunity. I've got no Major League Baseball experience as a manager. Sure, I'll do it your way. So there's two schools of thought on which way they're going to go. Uh, obviously, Girardi falls into the experienced category, and I think he would be less reluctant to, you know, just, uh, again, take a, uh, a binder's worth of data and, and say that that's the way he was going to decide how to manage a, a baseball game. I see where you're coming from there, and I think that's just about all the time we have for this episode of the Cubs Corner. We'll keep track of the Cubs, see how far they go, whether it's to the end of the regular season, into the postseason, or beyond, and we'll keep tabs on Joe Madden wherever he might end up and whoever his replacement potentially could be. Maybe we can check back in with you um, during the offseason at some point. Sounds good. Great talking with you, Anthony, and uh, enjoy your time at Illinois, and we'll talk to you down the road. Sounds good. Good luck with the Hawks this season. That's all the time we have for the Cubs Corner. Thank you all for coming, and thanks to Pat Boyle for coming on the show.